Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. Today I'm back again with another solo episode with a topic that I received a ton of questions about. Um, So today's topic is proper etiquette when communicating with schools, so admissions committees, faculties, um, interviewers, etc. Basically today's episode is going to be a list of do's and don'ts when it comes to communicating with schools. Obviously, this, just like any other episode, is just a suggestion so you can adjust these tips to fit your specific scenario. Now, before we even begin to talk about the actual tips in writing emails, the most important um, piece of advice I would give you is have an email signature. Now, even if you're still a student and you don't have a position or you haven't earned a degree yet, that's totally okay. It's better if you do because you can include that. But if not, you can put your name, your university, your class, your college, your major. Um, Some other things that you may want to include is your pronouns or your phone number. Just basically anything that you would like the recipient to know about that you may not have included in the body of the email per se. So now that we've gone over that, we can actually get into today's topic. So I broke it down to four different um, communication types. So the first one is um, before you even apply on Octomcast, and it's if you want to do like a grade check-in, ask about their OET ranges, their program, their prereqs, ask to tour. Um, So my tips for that is to find the admissions coordinator or someone who basically does the same job. And if they have a biography, make sure that you read it and, you know, get to know them a little bit know their pronouns, um, try to, you know, be as professional as possible and, you know, send them maybe your unofficial transcript and have them, um, see if the courses you took will fall, um, satisfactory, um, with their prerequisites, because if not, then, you know, you may need to plan accordingly. And that person is going to be most likely your point of contact even after you submit your application and that's why I say you need to um, be very professional from your very first interaction with that person um, until your very last one even if you don't end up attending that school because you never know um, you know if they can be in your circle later on in life Um, and you always want to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward um, as we've talked about before. Um, so again, when you're asking about the prereqs, just, hey, so-and-so, um, if you f- find a picture or pronouns, make sure you use the correct ones. Um, let them know that you've done research, um, because most prerequisites, um, and curriculum overviews are found on the websites, um, but they're not in great detail usually, especially prereqs. Um, they're just very vague and generalized. So um, emailing and asking, um, you know, what course codes, what levels, um, how many credits, would this be um, okay for that? Very, very important um, so that you can kind of stay on track. And that kind of follows the next um, category that I was going to talk about, which is grade check-ins. Now, I did did, I did this with um, just two or three schools that I was really interested in, um, and basically what I would do is at the end of every semester, you know, that same person, um, the admissions coordinator usually, 
I would just send them my grades, the classes I took, um, any new leadership roles, any volunteering, any shadowing, job, any you know life or academic updates. I would just let them know to kind of keep them in the loop. And um, they were usually, you know, would give you a lot of um, very helpful feedback um, or they'll tell you like, you know, we're excited to see your application coming, you know, this upcoming cycle or things like that. Um, and it's definitely important um, to put a name to the face, um, especially when it comes to admissions coordinators, because those are the usually the people that do the pre-screening for applications. So if they see a name that they recognize um, and then they can go back through the emails or um, documents that they've received from you, they, you know, this kind of helps them get a head start on your application. So um, always a good thing to be professional, do your research, and get to know them, you know, maybe on a deeper personal level, um, but again, not overbearing. Um, so the next type of communication that you may find yourself having to do is after you submitted your OptumCast application. Um, so after you submit your OptumCast application, it gets verified. Um, there's one or two things that you need to do. So usually for the OET, if you end up um, applying before or um, you apply right after you took it, the OET, the official test results, um, they get sent to schools, I think, 10 or 14 days after you've um, sat for the exam. So what I did was I took a picture, it could just be a picture on your phone, of your unofficial OET score that is printed at the testing center. And again, you'd email it to that um, point of contact that you've hopefully established, you know, a decent relationship with. Um, just basically telling them, hey, I just sat for the OET this morning or on next day. Um, here's my unofficial trend, um, score report um, just so you can have it. Um, I plan on submitting my application shortly. Um, let me know if there's anything that I can do on my end to help you through this process. Um, this is something that you'll find yourself wanting to say mostly in every email. This shows them that you're active, um, not just a passive applicant. And what I mean by that is that you didn't just submit your application and you're just sitting there waiting, twiddling your thumb. You just, you're not actively doing something about it. Um, I mean, granted, you, there, you can only do so much. Um, it's, you know, their job to pre-screen, send you an email and all of that. But if they see that you're actively seeking and trying to help them, provide them with as many documentation, um, in stuff that they need so that they can have a um, completed profile and application for you, that puts you in a better position because it shows them that you care, not just about, you know, the application and optometry as a whole, but their specific program. You know, you're reaching out to them um, specifically and that might be to your benefit. Again, keeping all of it very professional, um, you know, you're using Mr., Dr., Mrs., um, any of those and obviously their last name unless they tell you it's okay to use their first name um, 
some of the admissions coordinators, you know, the longer um, we were emailing back and forth or talking on the phone, they told me, you know, it's okay if you just use my first name, um, but never, ever, ever do it um, unless they tell you um, that you can. Just out of respect, um, even if they're younger, just again, out of respect and professionalism is very important. Um, so after, you know, you do your OET, the other type of communication that um, I found myself doing, and that one I got a lot of questions about. Um, so I know, I know a lot of you have either interviewed or you're still interviewing because you just took your OET in December or whatnot. Um, so after two weeks um, from your OptumCast application um, being verified, I would start reaching out to schools. Um, and I know every school is different um, depending on their timeline. Like some schools reach out to me the day after my application was verified. Some schools, it took them a month. Um, it really depends. But what I would do is after two weeks um, have passed, I would send an email to either admissions um, or whoever um, they instructed you to email if you have any questions. So you email them and again, same thing. Hey, I just submitted my application on the state. Um, if you, you know, have done something over that period of time, either you got a new job, you're doing a summer program, you're taking summer classes, um, any update that you couldn't include on your OptumCast application that you feel um, would add to your application, you can you know, including that email, put attachment, anything like that. And, you know, tell them, hey, like, I'm just inquiring about the status. Like, are you extending interviews at this time? Um, is there anything that I can do that will expedite, expedite the process or um, help you, you know, in making a decision? Now, after you've done that and you get you know, hopefully an interview invite, um, then you would usually have a link or you would reach out to them, set a time, do your interview. We have, you know, lots of episodes about interviews, how to go about them with different schools, um, and just general interview tips. But, um, one thing that I feel like a lot of people didn't really talk about, um, but it really sets you apart is emailing your interviewers after you've completed the interview. And it can be something super simple or it can be something personal. Um, so it depends on the type of conversations that you had um, during your interaction. So if the interaction was very friendly, personal, and you talked, you know, about their favorite restaurants in, you know, the city or their favorite class or an experience and you just bonded over something, you can include that in your email. Or it could be as simple as Dr. So-and-so, I was so honored to interview with you today. I had so much fun learning about the program and I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for your time and thank you for interviewing me best and then your email signature. Um, what this does is, again, they usually do multiple interviews a day. And if it's a group interview, that's even worse um, because they meet tons and tons of people. And 
most people kind of overlook that and they just do their interview and then they just wait. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from today's episode is to be active. Um, if you're actively emailing and being involved in the process, um, you will have more say in the decision-making process. So, um, you know, you just email them. Thank you so much for your time. They'll usually respond um, something along the lines of, it was really nice to meet you. Like, we'll get back to you soon. Again, this is, this goes back to putting, you know, name to the face because they, I guarantee you, interview 20, 30 people every day, maybe five to 10 people send thank you emails. It takes seconds, but the lasting impression is going to be there forever. Now, the last thing that I want to touch on, and I might spend more time on this um, than I did on all the other ones because I feel like we've done um, episodes on, you know, the interview, the application, the OET, um, stuff like that. Um, But this by far got the um, most questions. Um, so I want to address it. And I've talked with, you know, a, a lot of admissions um, coordinators and asked their feedback and they all kind of agreed on the same thing. Now, so after you get your decision, whether that being a wait list, an acceptance, or, um, you know, a rejection. So, Let's just say, you know, if you're waitlisted, you would just, you know, revert back to square one. You would do the grade check-ins, um, you know, the semester updates, and they usually, when they put you on an alternate list or a waiting list, they tell you why or what they're waiting um, to see improve. So if they want you to retake the OAT, they'll let you know that. If they want you to complete a specific class, they'll let you know which one. If they want you to get more hours, they'll let you know. So um, you take that feedback and then work on it the following semester. Send them, you know, a semester check-in and you may get off the wait list. Now, in the event that you get accepted into multiple programs, now, as we all know, um, optometry schools um, admit on a rolling basis. So as they interview people, they're accepting, rejecting, giving offers to people until the classes fill up. And again, as most of you know, there's only 20-some schools in the U.S. and Canada, and each school usually takes anywhere from 40 to 100 um, students per class, um, which isn't a lot um, compared to the amount of applicants every cycle. Now, I mention those things because it is frustrating to schools and admissions committees when they've interviewed, you know, in the first two months of the cycle, um, and they've given people acceptances and people haven't gotten back to them, um, whether that by depositing or declining the offer. Now, I understand that if you're interviewing, you kind of want to hear back from um, a lot of different programs to kind of weigh and see, you know, if you go to scholarship here, did you like this program? And the decision-making process could definitely be time-consuming. 
But I want you um, to also keep in mind that as you cross schools off your list, you need to let them know. Um, because waiting until the four, six, or eight weeks um, until you have to pay your deposit have passed is rude. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, um, but that spot, you know, could have made someone else's day. And if you knew deep down that you had no intention of ever going to that school, it was your safety school, safety net, it's fine to have a safety school. But if you decide that the school is not for you, do not wait on it. Um, gently or kindly decline the offer and send them a nice email. Hey, Dr. So-and-so, like, I am really honored to be offered a seat at the school. Um, after weighing, you know, my options, like, I think it's best for me to go stay, you know, closer to home or stay in state um, for financial reasons or I've decided to join whoever, you could choose to um, include the school name that you're um, wanting to attend or not. Sometimes they might ask you, um, sometimes they may not. But moral of the story is bottom line is to make sure that you're getting back to schools as soon as you make the decision because, you know, remember how you were frustrated when you submitted your application and they didn't get back to you. Um, well, that could very well be because someone else, you know, had a seat and the school didn't know if they were going to accept it or they were going to turn it down. They can't give more seats if, you know, if they gave out 100 seats, they're still waiting for those 100 people to say like, okay, we all accept it. So the class is full or 50 people turn it down. So they have 50 more spots to offer interviewers and applicants. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, again, it goes with being professional and being courteous at the end of the day. Um, because I can't imagine, you know, just sitting there and waiting for months, especially um, for people who are applying later this cycle. Um, so I know a lot of you are still um, interviewing, so good luck with that. Um, again, if you have any questions or if I can be of any help, um, don't hesitate to either email me or DM me on Instagram. I try to get back to them um, within 24 to 48 hours um, whenever I see them. But that is all for this week's episode. I know it was kind of a short one. Um, next week, we'll go back to um, day in the life and interviewing schools. Um, I have exciting episodes planned, so super excited for you guys to listen to those. But that is all for this week. Again, if you or someone that you know would like to collaborate on an episode, just email me at keepingitodpodcast.hotmail.com, and I will see you right back here next week with a brand new episode. And as always, we will be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys. Thank you.